motivation is kind of underpinned by three areas. One is feeling you've got a sense of control over what you're doing. One is feeling a sense of competence or confidence in what you're doing. And the third one is feeling a sense of connection to kind of like other people, that sense of almost like social support. This is Sweat the Details, a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeartRadio. A podcast made for women by women that puts our training journeys, goals, and mindset at the center. I'm Tamara Pridgett. And I'm Adrienne Herbert. Every episode, we'll hear from athletes, trainers, and experts who will give us insights into how our bodies and minds work together in training and competition. In today's episode, we are talking about setting goals and creating benchmarks and the psychology of progressing through our personal fitness and training practices. We have our guest, Rebecca Levitt, who is a sports psychologist and founder of the company Sporting Success, here to talk about setting goals and the psychology around setting goals. Yes, she's a registered practitioner psychologist with the Health and Care Professions Council. And you just mentioned her company, Sporting Success, which is a sports and performance consultancy group that works with top tier athletes and corporations and uses psychology to cultivate resilience. Adrian, I'm super excited about this because goal setting has been so integral for me from a very young age. And I really believe that it's gotten me to where I'm at professionally and personally. Me too. I love this topic. I could talk about it all day. So I'm really, really keen to hear from Rebecca. And for me, goal setting and setting benchmarks, I always say to people, you know, get specific. You need to know what is the metric that you're actually following? What is the time frame? You know, set that deadline. What's the date you're working towards? Because personally, that is how I get stuff done. So I'm really excited for this one. I think we're both very excited about this conversation. Yes. Unfortunately, I was not able to join for this interview, but Tamara, I can't wait to listen to the discussion. And I really hope that you get a chance to ask her some of my questions too. Yes. As much as I just wanted to just like, I had this never ending list of questions and I just wanted to ask her all of them. I made sure that we got your questions answered as well. And she has so much knowledge and insight to share. I'm so excited for everyone to be able to hear this. So let's jump into it. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Sweat the Details. I'm so into sports psychology. Like I feel like if I were to ever have a career change, I would probably go into that field. So I'm really excited that you're here with us. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So thank you for inviting me on. I'm really looking forward to chatting to you. Yeah. So I think the best way to start is to just learn more about your background and for you to share how you got started in sports psychology. Yeah. So I originally did like a psychology degree at university. My undergraduate spent three years doing that. And then um, I went and worked for a year in London at the time and just kind of figured out which route of psychology I wanted to go down. And um, yeah, and then I sort of settled on sports psychology. I'd always loved sport. I'm fascinated by psychology and it sort of just seemed to make sense really to combine combine the two. So I then went and did my postgraduate qualification in sport and exercise psychology. And then you do like a professional practice to get your professional qualifications in your chartership. Um, and then I pretty much set out my own consultancy, um, consulting to um, individual athletes and sports teams and kind of built up from there really. 
So for those who may not really know what a sports psychologist does, can you let us know like what that entails? What does a day-to-day look like, which I'm sure is different depending on like the team or athlete you're working with at the time? Yeah, sure. We think about sports psychology is understanding like how our thoughts, feelings and behavior impact on our performance. So I work with individual athletes and teams to help them kind of understand, you know, how do some of those things impact on the way in which they perform? How does it impact on their motivation, their confidence, their emotional regulation? How do they deal with the pressure? How do they manage injuries and setbacks? Um, How do they stay kind of focused and be able to concentrate at the kind of the crucial times? And then also work with teams and some of the teamwork is um, looking and understanding kind of the environment and the culture of those teams and how do we effectively bring people together to work really well together because you can have a group of individually talented people but they don't Mm. necessarily make up a great team so how do we harness the individual aspects in a collective way so that people come together and perform as one yeah Uh, one thing you did mention was just like the importance of goal setting and that's what today's topic is about you know setting smart obtainable goals Um, how important is goal setting for the athletes for the teams that you work with Yeah, really important. You know, goal setting kind of starts off the whole process, particularly say at the start of a season, the start of a new campaign about kind of helping to provide that sense of direction and purpose. You know, where is it that the team is wanting to go? Where is it that an individual athlete is wanting to go? What is it they're trying to achieve? So it really helps to provide that sense of vision that everybody's working towards. And particularly from a team perspective, what's really important in that sense is that everybody is on the same page with that. Because if you've got like... 10 different versions of what the team goal is and that's not going to work. You need everybody to be aligned to the same kind of purpose from a team perspective to kind of help people move forward and achieve. So so goals are really important because essentially they provide us with purpose and they provide us with direction and then they can help to provide motivation for what we're trying to achieve as well. Absolutely. So how do we go about setting goals, whether it is for performance or just for our day to day? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, throughout the whole day, we are generally setting a lot of goals, even if we don't necessarily label them as that. But, you know, these actions, they help to direct the behavior. But we generally talk about um, when we think about goal setting, we almost think about there as being kind of like three layers to goal setting. You've got like at the very top, you've got what we would call an outcome goal, which is really getting to the essence of the why. And Mm. then underneath that, you've got what we would call the performance goal or the kind of the what. So then it's a bit like, okay, so what are you trying to achieve? And once you worked out kind of like what it is you're trying to achieve why is that important then it's about thinking about the process of okay so how do we go about doing that and in lots of cases I think that's where people fall down because they're quite good at setting the performance goal the what but what people don't do as well is thinking about the why so why is that so important and also thinking about well how do we then go about doing that what are the steps that we need to do if that's what we're trying to achieve so Mm. I would always say start with what what is it that you're trying to achieve And then think about why is it you want to achieve that? If you achieve what you say you want to achieve, what's the significance of that? What's that going to do for you? What's it going to do for other people? And then think about how do I go about doing that? What actually is going to work for me in terms of achieving that goal? And actually, that's where it gets really interesting in some ways, because what we kind of need to do really in relation to that is start to build habits into our daily life, because really what drives goals is habits because that's the bit that will sustain our behavior and therefore help us achieve our goal. I want to just really focus in on that because I think 
it's safe to say all of us are kind of struggling with habits right now, whether good or bad. Yeah, definitely. And and I think part of the reason at the moment people struggle with habits is because globally we have had so much disruption to our routine and everything that's going on. Yes. And I think it's kind of important to recognize that. And, and habits are controlled by part of the brain called the basal ganglia, which actually is an unconscious part. Mm-hmm. So when we get into a certain habit and once a habit is formed, we don't need to think about it. So it doesn't require any effort on our part. It automatically happens. You know, the real simplest example of that is you get up in the morning and at some point in the morning, you brush your teeth. Yeah. You don't really require a lot of functioning of the front part of your brain, the thinking part of your brain to do that. You pretty much get up and do that in your sleep half the time, you know, and therefore things that don't require much thinking are actually a lot easier to stick with. But what we've got to be able to do is we've obviously got to be able to form those habits in the first place because they don't just automatically happen. Mm-hmm. And we talk about there being a cycle with habits. So there's always a cue as in a trigger. So something that always starts off the habit. Then we get the behavior. So what is it that you then do? And then we get a reward as a result of that. So a lot of the time when we're thinking about goals and we're thinking about what what activities can we do that help support our goals, that sense of how do we go about achieving them, we want to try and create habit cycles. So we need to start with a bit of a cue that says, right, what can start off this behavior? Mm-hmm. And actually, we respond much better to physical triggers as opposed to like a time. So sometimes people go, oh, well, at eight o'clock every morning, I'm going to go for a walk. But that doesn't work as well as saying like every morning before breakfast, I'm going to go for a walk. There is enough flexibility within that. It doesn't mean every day you have to breakfast at a certain time, but it's like there's an action that comes before that. And then the more you do that, you obviously start to build up that cycle. And eventually mm. what happens is that cycle then just gets controlled by the basal ganglia that doesn't need us to think. So then you formed the habit that then obviously reinforces the behavior, which then means you're more likely to stick with what you're going to do. There's a school of thought that, you know, having learning based goals are maybe more beneficial for people that aren't athletes, you know, new to physical activity. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I think that comes back to setting achievable and realistic goals. If you're someone that's fairly sedentary Mm -hmm. and you set out that you're suddenly going to go and run 5K by the end of the week, that's probably an unrealistic target motivation fails and therefore people don't take the right steps to achieve it. Motivation is kind of underpinned by three areas. One is feeling you've got a sense of control over what you're doing. One is feeling a sense of competence or confidence in what you're doing. And the third one is feeling a sense of connection to kind of like other people, that sense of almost like social support. Mm -hmm. So if you take the sedentary person who's not doing much exercise, they suddenly have this goal to run 5k by the end of the week. Well, from a competence point of view, you don't feel very confident to be able to do that so straight away the motivation is going to be affected Mm -hmm. it's got to be something that for you is achievable and it's about that sense of like kind of what realistically for you feels like a, a good outcome and also to not confuse the measure of a goal if someone wanted to lose weight they might say well I'm going to measure like you know how much like waist circumference I've lost for example that's not the goal yeah. that's the measure the goal might be like being healthier for example and sometimes I think people confuse the two of those things as well and then they start targeting the wrong things yeah and do you know what's really important when you're setting up those goals is to really connect with the emotional part of that goal. So like the part of our brain, like our prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that has the ability to like set a goal, Mm -hmm. but actually a huge amount of our behavior is driven by the unconscious part of our brain and is controlled by our limbic system, which is essentially our emotional system. 
Mm. So actually, there's a bit of a disconnect between the part of the brain that says, yeah, 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 I really want to do this goal. And then the part of the brain that actually controls the behavior that helps us to do that. So actually, when people are setting a goal, a really good tip, and I'd really recommend everyone doing is, is to try and get a really strong visual image of what it is you're trying to achieve and where you're trying to get to, because that connects to the emotional Mm. part of the brain, which controls behavior. That totally makes sense. And I feel like that's why vision boards are so popular. So often that doesn't get talked about in relation to goal setting because people again get into the like the measure of what I'm trying to do. And, you know, I want to knock this amount of time off my 10K or whatever else. You're like, well, that's great. But like, what does that give you? What's the what's the the vision, the emotion behind that? And how do we connect to that? Because if you're able to do that in those times, you know, when you're really struggling for motivation, you've got something Mm. to latch onto. And that really helps the emotional part of the brain to connect with it and then help to drive the behavior. I do think those specific goals also contingent upon what you're doing. So for me, like as a sprinter, it was like, I want to run this time by this date, et cetera. I think those like marks, like you were saying, are important, but also just like to have a little fun with it to like kind of break out of that tunnel vision mindset is also really helpful. And don't get me wrong, I think I think the markers are really important, but what we've got to recognize is the markers are the markers. The markers are not the goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people, myself included, like get that conflated all the time. Yeah. Wow, needed to hear this because I feel like I'm that person <laughs> that usually does like time specific things because I'm very much type A. But I do like what you're saying, you know, giving yourself that flexibility. It also feels like the end result will also feel less defeating in a sense because I yeah. definitely get mad at myself if I was like, I was supposed to do yoga at 6 p.m. I didn't do it. Yeah. Ugh, like ruined my routine or whatever, which is absolutely not the case. Yeah. But it feels like that, doesn't it? If, if that's how it feels. Yeah. If you set yourself, I'm going to do yoga at six and you don't manage to do it at six, we basically feel like we failed. We feel like we haven't mm-hmm. achieved. And as soon as we feel like we haven't achieved, you know, unsurprisingly, our motivation gets depleted. Yeah, I think that's also just super helpful, as you mentioned, like with this pandemic, I think, you know, a lot of people say give yourself grace. And I think with what you were saying about like, you know, having this physical trigger for these habits to form and having that flexibility will make people feel less like I'm all over the place where I'm behind. Just like, you know, allowed to flow a little bit instead of being so rigid. Yeah. You know, pre-pandemic, everyone's got routines that they follow all the time. And all of those things, when they're ingrained habits, we don't think too much about them. So it doesn't therefore require a lot of mental energy. They just happen. Mm -hmm. But in a pandemic or in any situation where all of a sudden you've got a whole amount of uncertainty, what's happening is we're requiring a lot of thinking a lot of planning, a lot of replanning. And that takes up energy from the front part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is where we do our thinking and our planning. So actually mentally, we're feeling a lot more drained because we're having to use a part of our brain that actually we've not had to use for all these things before. The mental energy is taking people just to get through each day is a much higher toll than it was previously, which is why people end up feeling fairly drained from the process. Absolutely. We've talked a lot about the pandemic and I feel like we can't avoid it because it's just (laughs) our reality. There's so much uncertainty. And I think a lot of people are just like, my home is my gym, my office, my sauna. It's literally everything. Yeah. So 
Is there any way we can like integrate goal setting to making our at-home fitness routine feel more exciting, less boring, less of a chore? Yeah. Do you know, I I think about this in terms of like identity. And I think part of it is about almost like having that sense of going, okay, well, when I'm going in to say, do, um, you know, some home exercise, let's really spend some time connecting with like, who am I when I'm going in to do that exercise? And what qualities, what strengths do I take with me? So you start to think before you go in and almost like priming yourself from a strengths perspective in terms of saying like, what parts of myself am I now taking into my gym session or into my home exercise session. I really encourage people to change outfits. Just that physical change of clothing, shift that sense of identity and that feeling of like, okay, I'm stepping into a different part of me now, which actually helps when you may be using the kitchen as your office and your kitchen and (laughs) your social space and everything else, for example. That is so helpful. Uh, I'm definitely implementing that one because I think I wear the same five pieces of clothing But I do think that will help. So I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. When you were talking there, it reminded me of what you said earlier about how you're someone who likes to kind of be like at six o'clock, I'm going to do this at 10 o'clock, you know, like have a routine and a schedule. (laughs) Yeah. And generally people are fairly good at like putting together like a schedule, you know, like let's say a to-do list. Yeah. But often we say like, can you think about like a to-be list as well? So like not just what you want to do, but how do you want to be? And that can be the same for our goals. Like when we're doing activities that relate to our goals, like how do we want to be? So if we're going to get up and go for a walk around the block, how do we want to be when we go out for that walk? So sometimes as opposed to just thinking about what do we want to do, try and think about how do we want to be as well. That's really good. I feel like that just helps people be more present. For sure. So you obviously work with professional athletes across a variety of sports. How do you just help the athletes that you work with set goals? So if you're in a team, for example, the ideal is it's not just a singular conversation with me. It would be like mm-hmm. me plus an athlete, plus the coaches, plus the strength and conditioning coach, you know, nutritionist, etc. Because what's really important, actually, and I don't, we've not kind of touched on this over, but that sense of community in terms of who are the people around you that can help you achieve what you're trying to achieve as well, because it's really hard on your own sometimes. Yes. So the, the process of kind of setting goals in an, in an, if we're talking in an ideal world, we'd kind of do what we call a case conferences, which is all the people working with the athlete will sit down together with the athlete and then look at the start of the season and say right where are you at what are you currently good at what do we think you need to work on where are you trying to get to mm-hmm. and then build together that program that says right well how do we how do we get you to where where you need to get to and what does that program look like so that that's the process if it's with like an individual athlete so if I'm just working privately I'd be asking questions around again like you know what what is it that you want to achieve what's the time scale on this, get them to kind of think about what's the realistic sense of this. So it's about helping people to become more aware of what it is they're trying to achieve and then helping people to identify like, okay, so how do you think you're then going to be able to get there? If that's where you're trying to get to, what do you think you need? What do you need from yourself? And also like, what might you need from other people around you to support you in that journey as well? And the other piece that might sound a bit strange, but I think it's a really important piece is some what if planning around, okay, what if this doesn't quite go to plan? What things do you know about yourself that might knock you off your course that you're trying to follow? So we reduce the chance of those things happening. Mm -hmm. So my co-host Adrian was unable to join us, but she also has a set of questions for you that she would love to have some answers to. So we're going to go to answer hers. Cool. 
Once we do reach a goal, how can we then continue? How can we build on our goals once we've achieved them? Yeah, so so that's a really important point, actually, being able to build on goals. And actually, what you almost want to try and do is when you feel like you're getting close to achieving like what you set out to achieve, it's important to then go back to the, the start almost and say, okay, when I get there, what is the next stage of what I want to achieve? How do I move this goal further forward? And part of that depends on the vision of what you're trying to achieve. And, you know, you might have a goal that hasn't yet achieved the vision but it's certainly, it's been a step in the journey. So then it's about thinking about, okay, so what's the next step that takes me further to the vision of where I'm trying to get to? Before you get to the point at which you've achieved your goal, start to kind of almost think about what comes next, as opposed to waiting until you've stopped, completed it, and then go again. It's almost like having yourself prepped in advance. Working towards goals takes discipline. So is discipline something you are born with, or is it something that we can all cultivate and develop? Great question. I think a bit of both, if I'm honest. I, I think the key though, more than whether it's something we're born with or something we work on, is the fact that discipline is a conscious skill. So that's the bit that is controlled by our prefrontal cortex, by the front part of the brain, our frontal lobes. So that requires effort probably 40, 40% or something of our behavior is controlled by the unconscious part of the brain. So someone might consciously think, oh, I've got this willpower, but that's conscious. The behavior is being driven by the emotional part. And actually, therefore, that's far more powerful than the logic that we try and apply to it, which is why the sense of like getting to the, the having a visual image speaks to the emotional part of the brain that actually controls the unconscious behavior. You work with a lot of athletes from nearly every type of sport imaginable. So I'm curious to know, were you an athlete as well? And if so, what did you play? Well, that's a really interesting one. I'm definitely not an athlete. I <laughs> love sport. I played any sport I could really at school when I was younger. I would say I was a social sports player. I am slowly trying to develop my own enjoyment of running which is a challenge but um my enjoyment of sport is definitely about the social connection and, and the enjoyment and the sense of togetherness and the sense of achieving together we are going to take a short break but don't go too far away because we are going to be right back top thrill two is like no other course two 420 foot vertical speedways three launches all right let's talk strategy Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Rebecca, as I mentioned, I could really sit here all day and talk to you about just like the mind and how it impacts our performance, whether we're at work or on a team. But to be respectful of your time, we're going to transition to a fun game called Factor Fiction. So I'm going to give you a list of different like ideas, concepts that pertain to sports science and psychology and basically just would like to know if it's true or false or maybe it's a little bit of both. Okay. <laughs> okay is burnout real definitely like it's it's a real thing and it can happen to like 
anybody really, whether it's from a sports perspective, coaches can get it, people can get it from a work sense. And essentially it's that feeling of being so almost like stressed and overwhelmed and the the feeling that the demands that are being placed on you are so much greater than the resource and the energy you have to give to it. It just leads to that sense of literally feeling like you're burnt out. So yeah, that is, that's definitely something that's really real and we have to be really careful of. I've heard a lot of people talk about runner's high. I don't think I've personally ever experienced it, but in your opinion, is this a real thing? It is in the sense that you get a hormone release. You know, you get the endorphins that then make us feel good. So it's that sense of we definitely can get reward after kind of running or after exercise. So that's for sure. Um, if you're talking about running, I mean, I'm so with you on that kind of, I'm yet to experience that runner's <laughs> high, but people keep telling yeah. me it's coming and I just got to stick with it, but we'll see. <laughs> Is home field advantage better when it comes to competition? Yeah, definitely. In like professional competitions, home teams can definitely perform better. We see it in soccer and various different sports where there is definitely that kind of advantage. There's not an exact answer as to why, but there's definitely some psychological element to it. Um, in a similar way, often the color red is, is seen as like having an advantage as well, really weirdly. Interesting. Last one. Is it true that nerves are actually good for you, like nerves before competition? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. So essentially we talk about nerves as either being facilitative or debilitative, and that's all based on how you interpret them. So it's all about the way we think. So if you imagine that feeling, you've got butterflies in your tummy, your heart rate is going. If you interpret that as, oh my God, this is my body's way of telling me I'm ready to perform, then that's a really good thing. If you interpret that same feeling as being like, oh my God, I don't think, I don't think I can cope with this, <laughs> then that's not helpful. Well, thank you so, so, so much for all your time and for talking about setting goals and just the mind and the connection between the mind and the body. Please come back whenever you want because <laughs> I would love to continue this conversation over and over and over again. <laughs> thank you so much. That was such a fantastic conversation with Rebecca Lovett. Yes, the part that really stuck with me the most was what Rebecca said about emotionally connecting to setting your goals, because I feel like we're often taught to suppress our emotions. But the other reason I thought it was so interesting was because she was saying on like a scientific level, when you have these emotions and they're super strong and they're very visual, it connects to the part of our brain that controls behavior, which then makes these goals like more realistic, more achievable. So that was my favorite part. Yeah, I agree. And I also thought it was great what she said about building on your goals and keeping that progress going after you've achieved your goals, because often I think goals are kind of spoken about as like a finish line to cross. So I thought that was great. And I'm definitely going to think about that myself now in terms of like the continuation. Mm-hmm. So speaking of goals, I know we could probably talk for a long time about this, Tamara, because we're both big goal people, but I guess it'd be great to introduce this new segment of the show to the listeners. What do you think? Absolutely. So today we are introducing a new segment called Goal Check-In. And at the end of each episode, we're going to check in with one another and you at home about where we're at with our own fitness and training goals. It's a chance for us to stay accountable and support one another on our journeys. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to talk about the process and also how we're struggling, how we're going to stay on track with those goals and how the listeners can also support and get involved on social media as well. So for our first goal check-in segment, 
I'm going to kick off with my first goal, which actually right now I am working on speed. I am an endurance runner. And right now the race that I'm working towards is the half marathon. And my goal, I guess, this year is to, yeah, get a new personal best in the half marathon. And even just telling you that I'm trying to get a PB is already making me feel a little bit stressed. No, no stress. Well, I think pressure can work in one of two ways, right? It can work negatively or it can work positively. We're going to just make this positive pressure. Like you said it, you're speaking it into existence. We are all here to support you along the way. So what does that support look like for you? What can I do? What can our listeners do to support you? Hmm, Great question. Okay. What support do I need? (laughs) So to be honest with my interval training and speed training, I need those tunes that just push you further. So I Mm. would love to get any of the listeners or yourself, like the power tunes, the tunes that are going to help me in training to just amp up the pace. Okay. I have a song. Um, It's called Shada's La La by Moneybag Yo. It's just like an instant mood lift for me. So definitely put that on your playlist. Awesome. Thank you so much. And anyone listening, (laughs) send us your recommendations for my speed training playlist. Thank you. Yes. So Tamara, tell us what is your goal? My goal right now is getting back into like legit athletic competition. I am training to be a heptathlete in the sport of track and field. And so my goal is one, to just get in hep shape and then two, to do a competition before the end of the year. Mm, That is an awesome goal. So similar, what things do you need from us to keep you accountable and to help you achieve that goal this year? I think right now, um, as I'm adapting to this like intensity and training that I haven't done since I was in college is really just like words of encouragement that that's what I need right now. I just need people to be like, you got this, you can do this. Yeah, that would really do so much for me. Awesome. Well, I will all do that for you. And you know that you're going to do it, which is great. And I have to because I said it. So what would I look like not doing it? So like this is really holding us accountable for both of our goals. You, the half marathon, me, the HEP, because we said it. Yeah. And also, you know, we want to hear about you, the listeners, and what you're doing. So do reach out to us on social. Cheer us on. We will do the same for you. First things first for me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. It's the same handle. It's at Adrienne underscore LDN. Just think Adrienne London and you'll find me. I'm on Instagram at Tams Going Ham, and you can also find me on Twitter at Tamara Pridget. That's it for this week's episode. So until next time, stay motivated, stay focused, nail down your goals, and don't forget to sweat the details. Bye. See ya. If you liked what you heard on the show, subscribe for free or follow the show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review. Sweat the Details is a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeartRadio. Our show is hosted by me, Tamara Pridgett. And me, Adrienne Herbert. Our executive producers are Jess Schreibstein, Giselle Lewis-Archibald, and Molly Sosha. Our supervising producer is Maya Cole. Our producers are Ellen Kaplan and Kellyanne Toll. Our assistant producers are Natalia Tamayo and Bella Walco. And our sound editor and engineer is Sarah Gibble-Lasker.